Well, while you are still finding your seats, I just want to um, ask you this, that what did we talk about last week? Can anybody remember? Yeah, that's, amen. Well, somebody's been listening. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I better hand that over to Pastor. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. You know, we, we identified or learned about what, what a church member can be. And how you can be functioning church member. Amen? Today, we were, we're going to continue this morning on I am a church member. But we will, be, we will be looking at I will be a unifying church member. I will be a unifying church member. So I am a church member. I will be a unifying church member. You know, when love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the question... Can you describe a time when you were in church that was not unified? Or what about a time when you were in a church that was unified? So this could be the question this morning. You know, in this lesson this morning, we will see that scriptures emphasizes that church members have a responsibility to create and maintain unity within the church. We will discuss the various ways to create and maintain unity as well as concerns that threaten unity within the church. Ultimately, unity in the church will impact the culture around us. Amen? Now, God describes for Christians to get along. In fact, he is empathic about it. Jesus was clear when he said, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you are beloved for one another. In John chapter 13 and verse 35. The world will know if we are Christians or not by the way we who are believers act towards one another. So the world will notice. And you know when you when you actually really doing something from your heart with all your strength and with all your courage, people notice. So unity is not optional. 
in the church. Most of us have been involved in churches where at some point in time, unity was not present. It may have been during a church split or a business meeting, but we have seen fellow believers act like. Well, just say that they weren't acting like Jesus. Now, this breaks the very heart of God because its church, his church, should be characterized by love and unity. Amen? Getting along. Love one another. One of the greatest pictures of unity in the church can be found in the book of Ephesians. Now consider Paul's word in 1 John, or so correction, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. And it reads there, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all saints, all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So churches can be known for many things. But we see in the, this passage that the church in Ephesus was characterized by love and unity. In fact, Paul wrote that their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for all the saints was being talked about all over. The love and unity in the church was so extra, extraordinary that people could not help but talk about it. I remember growing up as a, as a babe in Christ, praise God, I, I couldn't stop talking about what, what I've experienced in church. I couldn't stop, you know, talking about Jesus and the move of the Holy Ghost, his presence, his anointing out. Even the church, when the church finished, we could stay back and we could just talk about it. We can even talk about it all night. And we went from house to house, just creating these meeting points. Now, I've experienced that, and it actually just, it actually just exploits, and it, it touches people's life, like who couldn't even bother, maybe, who couldn't even pray, or who couldn't even have that motive. But that's what happens when we, when we have the passion, when we actually desire and really have that, that, the strength and the courage to do what we believe in. Amen. Praise God. People look at characteristics and praise God. If we do it and we show it, then praise God, they will come. What our church known for is, is, is the question. What is our church known for in our community? What would it take for our community to know that we loved one another and were unified? Did we hear that somewhere? Did we notice that or people talk about it? What we're known for, praise God. Now you would think that Paul's praise of these believers 
would be sufficient to encourage them to continue in love and unity. But he emphasized it again in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 to 3. And there he said that they needed to continue to pursue unity. So in that verse, it tells us that I, therefore, a prisoner, prisoner of the Lord. Did anyone ever say that? Praise God. Just that humility, just that humbleness of humbleness. He said to, he said to the Lord, therefore, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Praise God. You know, Paul made himself known to us. He'd rather be a prisoner to the love of the work of the Lord, to serve God, praise God. Now, have you ever pursued something with laser beam focus and, and unbelievable intensity? This is the picture that Paul paints for the believers in Ephesus in this text. So they had a responsibility to pursue with great in intensity unity within the church. That is the same responsibility we have today as church members. In Paul's mind, this is not an optional. Amen? It's not optional. You have a responsibility as a church member. You are to be a source of unity. You are never to be a div div divisive force. You are to love your fellow church members unconditionally. And while that doesn't mean you agree with everyone all the time, it does mean you are willing to sacrifice your own preferences to keep unity in the church. Amen? Praise the Lord. And here could be another question. What can you do to pursue unity in this church? What happens if we don't pursue unity in the church? Now, Paul, in this letter to the church in Colossus, gives us a glimpse of what it takes to create unity in the church. He encourages the believers in this church to put on something that will lead to unity. Now, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul wrote... Paul wrote, and above all this, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now we saw in our last session that love serves as a foundation for just about everything in the church. For the church in Corinth, 
they needed to be reminded that their spiritual gifts were useless without love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For the church in Colossians, Colossians, they needed to be reminded that unity, that perfect harmony in the church is only possible when love is present. So perfect harmony can only be present when, when love is present. It's possible when love is present. And here's another question this morning. Why do you think love is so important in church? How can you demonstrate love for other, for, for other believers in the church? And how can that help create unity? Now, gossip and negative talk we will destroy unity in the church. Gossip and negative talk. It is clear that the unity is important in the church, but we must be acutely aware of how unity can be destroyed in the church. In the same way that cancer will destroy the physical body, gossip and negative talk will destroy the church. If left unchecked. Or is gossip really that big of a deal? Consider the various sins Paul outlines in Romans. Chapter 1, verse 29 to 31. Romans chapter 1, verse 29 to 31. And it reads there, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They, were, they, are, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, instolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, artless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous de decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Praise God. Few, there's few things that they are really, really bad. Now, the context of these verses focuses on what happens when people refuse to worship God as, as their creator and instead worship themselves. Paul identifies a pretty nasty list of sins that will characterize people who fail to worship the God with their, cre their creator. We must never lose sight of the seriousness of sins, of gossip and slander. Both will destroy the church if they are not dealt with appropriately. Now here's another question for us this morning. What is a good definition of gossip? Why is the sin of gossip so damaging in the church? 
hear what was written. This chapter is about unity. And few things can, can be destroyed. Or it can destroy the unity of a church like gossip. A unified church is powerful. Gossip tears apart that unity and renders a church powerless. We must deal with the issue of gossip in the church. And it is two helpful responses. Number one, don't be a source of gossip. If you have any doubt whether something is gossip or not, don't mention it. Keep your tongue under control. Number two, if someone in the church begins to share gossip with you, gently rebuke him or her. You don't have to be asked in your response to them. Kindly say that you would rather not hear any gossip and you would hope it wouldn't continue to spread. We really need to know and really need to contain. Block it out. We don't want the gossip spreading. It's like a disease. It's like a cancer. Praise God. It is easy to overlook gossip and slander in the church, but we must realize the cost of doing nothing. Consider James. Words to the believers in James chapter 3 and verse 6. In verse 6 it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Praise God. Also consider Peter's encouragement to his readers in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. And it reads there, For whosoever desires to love life and see good days, to him is tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from the evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now here's another question for us this morning. What happens if gossip is not dealt with in the church? What is the best part to take if someone brings gossip to you in your church? What is the best part to take if someone brings gossip to your church, to you in your church. Now, forgiveness will foster unity in, in the church. Forgiveness will foster unity in the church. Unity can be destroyed easily by gossip in the church, but forgiveness will foster unity in the church. If I can say that again, unity can be destroyed easily by gossip in the church, but forgiveness will foster unity in the church. Every person living in this planet has experienced hurt in some capacity. So we all did. 
If it is possible that this earth has come at the hands of fellow believers and even fellow church members, so what does forgiveness have to do with unity in the church? Paul gives us some perspective in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 to 13. And there he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate, arts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Forgiveness is a central component of believers living in harmony with one another in the local church. In fact, the, the, the way we forgive says something about the way we understand our own forgiveness. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, he said, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Amen? Praise God. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So according to this verse, it is impossible to have right relationship with God if we are not willing to forgive others. Forgiveness is so important to Jesus that he tells his disciples that they need to be willing to forgive others without hesitation. They are to bold, they, they are so bold as to ask him how many times they are to forgive a brother if, they, if he sins against them. Seven times. And Jesus responds that they are to be willing to forgive his brother 490 times. And that states in Matthew chapter 18, verse 22. And here's another question this morning. How is forgiveness related to unity in the local church? What does the Bible say about forgiving one another? Each local church is made up of imperfect members and imperfect pastors. We will make mistakes. We will all sin. Yes, we are all hypocrites. Church unity is torn apart when members refuse to forgive. When any member is too prideful to grant forgiveness, remember Christ loved us so much that he died on the cross to forgive us. And now, as he has forgiven us, so we must forgive others. And it is essential to the unity of your church. Here's another question for us. Final question for us today. Are you still holding on to an offense against you by a fellow believer? What keeps you from being willing to forgive them? If I can say that again. Are you still holding on to an offense 
against you by a fellow believer? What keeps you from being willing to forgive them? Praise God. It can be hard. But sometimes we need to we need to let go. We need to learn to to get to that level of our feeling, of our mind, how we can how we can be humble. Even though it, it comes against us so hard. Maybe we've been we had that character for so long. Maybe we've been reminded of this particular character for so long. But how can we let go of that today? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we rise this morning? Why don't we rise this morning? Amen. I am a church member. I am a unifying church member. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise God. We serve an awesome God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I am a church member. Somebody say, I am a church member. I will be a unifying church member. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why don't you close your eyes this morning and why don't we just talk to the Lord, granting strength this morning and courage how we will serve our Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. I know there are no perfect pastors, staff, or other church members, but neither am I. I will not be a source of gossip or dissension. One of the greatest contributions I can make is to do all I can in God's power to help keep the church in unity for the sake of the gospel. Hallelujah. Lord, we thankful, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. That you died for us.